0: Welcome to, Pop-topia. Welcome to Poptopia, your podcast for all things pop culture. I'm your host, Paul French, and it is Monday, January 18th, 2010. And on today's show, I finish out my top fives of 2009. We're going to talk a little bit about the Golden Globes. We're going to talk a little bit about the whole late night fiasco that's going on, and uh, we'll see where that lands us. Okay, so last week, of course, I did, or actually it was a week and a half ago, I did my, uh, my top uh, fives of uh, 2009. And I thought, wow, I actually managed to get that all done in the 15 minutes. And of course, <laughs> the reason I was able to get that done in the 15 minutes was because I, you know, didn't. And uh, that, I, 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 you know, as I, I got to the end of it, I realized I hadn't scrolled all the way down my file. And there were still the music picks to do. And that's just... That's just wrong. So let's uh let's quickly review that, and then I will get to uh, to some of the stuff that's uh, that's going on right now. Okay, so uh, in my top five uh, music of two thousand nine, it's kind of funny because there's a few things in there that maybe aren't so new. Uh, first, uh, first off, let's talk the live anthology by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Always a sucker for Petty and the Heartbreakers, uh, you know, love. I just love every note that Mike Campbell plays, man. It's just beautiful, and uh, this this basically pulls together a whole bunch of different live shows, and is is just absolutely fantastic to listen to. Because the one thing about uh, about that band is is as, as great as their stuff sounded uh, in the studio, live is where they really come where, where they really come to life, and uh, and you can see that that has a lot to do with with just the kind of musicians that Petty surrounds himself with. So thoroughly enjoyed that one. Next up, Ratitude by, by Weezer. Now Weezer you know they they kind of they kind of alternate for me and um you know they have the really sort of commercial album and so that would be like like their first album and then the second one uh was Pinkerton and that was a little bit more edgy and speaking of which this year we're supposed to be getting a uh Sort of a new edition, sort of an ex- expanded edition of Pinkerton. So I think that's going to be pretty kind of cool. Uh, but you know, they then they then they came out with the Green Album. You know, a bit more sort of sort of the more the more poppy side of Weezer, and it kind of alternates. I, I find um, this one actually has sort of the best of both worlds, I think, and uh, so so really enjoyed that one. And uh, nice to see that uh, that they're still putting out some some relevant stuff, sort of fifteen years on. Next up, Muse, the Resistance. Now, this is a band. I don't know. I think initially I, I was I was inclined. I'm not sure what I thought of them when I when they when they first come out. It came out, and then then I saw them live, and they just blew me away. Um, and uh, and and you know now it's just you know you realize that hey they're putting out they're putting this great sound together, and it's just the three of them and you know i think they've got a touring guitar player now or something like that but but still it's just this huge sound that they managed to pull together and um and and you know the songcraft it, it it evolves with every with everything they put out and uh, so so the resistance just uh, love everything about that album next up tinted windows uh, this is a super group, basically it's put together with uh, bunny carlos from Dream, uh, from uh, uh, Cheap Trick, wow, that took a second. Uh, from Cheap Trick on drums. And I almost said Dream Police. Wouldn't that have been silly? And that's because I think that that is an example of some amazing drawing from Mr. Carlos. So, anyway, so Bunny Carlos on drums. You got um, Adam Schlesinger from Fountains of Wayne on bass. And, you know, that's automatically going to be something I'm loving. And uh, James Eha from the uh, Smashing Pumpkins on guitar. And, uh, and then you've got one of the Handsome Brothers singing you know and and at first you're like oh really mbop and and people forget you know that's the that's the thing they heard but they forget that these guys were were doing some other great music as well it's just they've kind of got focused on as you know hey look it's little kids playing musical instruments isn't that great and um and you know i find that that, uh, taylor hansen on this he really is uh uh channeling robin zander from cheap trek uh, there's no there's no doubt about it. You you really hear that in a lot of songs, and uh, and I mean it's it's great stuff. He uh, he really really sort of pulls that together nicely, and I think it I think it you know really fits with the sort of power pop sound that they're going with, and uh, so you get that sort of catchy uh, "Fountains of Wayne" type tunes, um, which is obvious from the Schlesinger influence, but with that buzzsaw guitar that EHA has, and uh, it's a, it's just a great album. It's really worth checking out, and of course number one, hey. This comes as no surprise to anyone who knows me. Uh, is the Beatles remasters and and just the fact it's the Beatles remasters and Beatles Rock Band, which I got just la- just last week. My awesome wife got it for me for my birthday. Seriously, she's a keeper. Uh, but you know this this is is an example of uh, of how. They've managed to to reinvent themselves and remain and remain relevant even now. I mean, I remember before Christmas seeing uh, seeing a bunch of guys sort of around nineteen or twenty walking out of uh, future shop with a, with um, with Beatles rock band and they couldn't wait to get back to uh, to the dorm to play it. and I thought, hey, <laughs> It's is an amazing thing, you know. Uh, everyone w- wonders if, you know, hey, the Beatles were still really relevant to anybody, and the answer is yes. And uh, the answer is that they still managed to uh, to to pull people in to uh, to listen to what they did and to to, to feel the influence uh, that they had they've had on on all sorts of modern music. And uh, and I think that's a pretty amazing thing, you know, forty years on, and or well, okay, thirty odd years on, really. But you know, and. Um, well, no, yeah, forty years on. I, I'm really bad at math today. Math should. I excuse me. I was told there would be no math, but uh, but yeah. So so you know, forty odd years on, um, they they still managed to pull it together, and you know they they. You've got the remasters, which sound fantastic, and uh, and you know there is a real difference between what came out before and and the and the remasters. Most times for the better. There's there's the odd song where it's like wow, you know that's that's like uh in no reply the, uh, the there's a a kick and symbol at the end that that just seems really loud to me um and uh there's one on the uh on, on i should have known better where the uh the harmonica kind of slips out in the intro and i thought well that's kind of strange that they went went that way but hey whatever it, it still sounds great um and uh and yeah and rock band you know highlight <laughs> yesterday had a had a birthday party here at the house and uh Um, highlight was was playing rock band with my mom playing drums that's pretty cool And, uh, and, you know, there's an example of, uh, you know, I remember when I first got into the Beatles, it was listening to my mom's old Beatles albums. And, uh, and it was a real cross generational thing. And I think that still continues to this day. And I think that's pretty amazing. And, uh, and actually, uh, a friend of mine had his kids over and, uh, and they were playing along with me as well. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a real cross generational thing. I think it's pretty amazing. And I think that's, uh, uh, that's how the Beatles legacy continues. So uh so there there you go that's my uh, my top 5 music. Now I've really done all the all the top 5 stuff from last year. Really. Truly. Okay, so last night the uh Golden Globes were on. And uh got to say didn't watch the show. I um I I'm, I'm just uh, kind of award showed out and uh uh but but there were some some interesting things that went on. Okay, so first of all. Um the uh, winner for Best Motion Picture Drama was Avatar. Uh, it beat out uh, Up in the Air, which I saw last week and is really good. I really, I gotta say, I was really surprised how much I enjoyed that. I, I thought it would be okay, but I really, really enjoyed that. Jason Reitman's kind of a go-to guy for me right now. Um, Precious, based on the novel Push by Sapphire, was also nominated, as was Inglorious Bastards and The Hurt Locker. And Avatar pulled it off. And this is no surprise. I mean, you know, say what you will about the story or lack thereof or, or um, you know, the ferngulliness of it. Uh, the fact of the matter is that um, that, that the movie is a game, a game changer. And uh, at some point I'm going to get out and see it, I think. Um, nominated for Best Motion Picture Musical or Comedy had The Hangover um, 9, Julie and Julia. It's complicated and 500 Days of Summer. And it went to The Hangover. And uh, as far as comedy goes, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. I really loved Five Hundred Days of Summer, um, and and it was interesting. Uh, Matt Kramer, one of my co-hosts over at Legion of Substitute Podcasters, and I had a had a discussion about this and how much of Five Hundred Days of Summer is kind of uh, um, well, borrows from or is thematically linked to uh, um, High Fidelity. And so it's no surprise that I loved that one. But as far as straight up comedy, you know, The Hangover is is a is a good one. Um, best performance by an actor in a motion picture for drama, you had Toby Maguire for Brothers, Morgan Freeman for Invictus, Colin Firth for A Single Man, Clooney for Up in the Air, and the winner was Jeff Bridges for Crazy Heart. Uh, actress in a motion picture, uh, you had uh, Gabri Sidibe for Precious, uh, Carrie Mulligan for An Education, Helen Mirren uh, for The Last Station, Emily Blunt for The Young Victoria, and the winner was Sandra Bullock for The Blind Side. Uh, Musical or comedy, um, I'll just go through winners right now because I don't want to run out of time. Uh, But you had uh, Robert Downey Jr. for Sherlock Holmes won. For Actress, it was Meryl Streep for Julie and Julia. And um, scrolling down a little bit to Best Director, James Cameron for Avatar. Uh, But Best Screenplay uh, was Up in the Air. Uh, uh, Jason Reitman and Sheldon Turner and again uh, this this movie really surprised me and uh, you know it was uh, it, it had a real heart to it it had uh, it, it just some some stunning visuals and uh, and that, which I really didn't expect for this kind of movie but uh, but they were definitely there and uh, so yeah quite enjoyable so that's that's the basics on um, on the uh, Golden Globes. Although let's let's give props to Up for uh, Best Animated Film and also Michael Giacchino's uh, score, and that I think that's pretty awesome. So uh, other stuff going on. Well, <laughs> there's this whole thing with uh, with Jay Leno. I don't know if you heard anything about it, but just the the whole idea of uh, of of you know Leno's show at, at ten basically tanking, um, the uh, affiliates are all up in in arms about it because basically what this does is is that poor lead in kills uh, their their news ratings, and they love the news ratings of the affiliates, and here's why, because it's their advertising dollars. You know, basically instead of having to split that money with the network like they have to with the ad dollars that they sell on Leno's show or on any other show, um, they actually are selling that that advertising on the local programming and it's all theirs. So if the Leno lead-in kills those ratings, it means that they can't charge as much for that and they don't, you know, and so so this is why they're concerned because that's, you know, their 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 local news, that's their most profitable uh their their most profitable time. So the affiliates are up in arms about it, and they're concerned, and and then that poor lead in leads to, uh, of course, uh, poor ratings for for Leno's old home, old stomping grounds, the uh, the Conan O'Brien show, or the Tank Show, you know, but it's Conan O'Brien now, right? So, so the whole thing is. Um, Everybody's been blaming Leno for it, right? Everyone's been like, "Oh, Leno's such a jerk," you know. He, uh, he, um, you know, stormed off to do this other show, and uh, and and that's, and then he screwed up. Um, uh, you know, the news lead in, and that screwed up Conan, and and now he's taken the, taking the show back from Conan. Oh, what a jerk! Now, I'm no fan of Jay Leno. Never have been. Never will be. But the fact of the matter is, it's not his fault. This is the network, you know. This is NBC. First off, um, having made a uh, a promise to to Conan uh, uh, several years ago, and now wanting to go back on that promise, that's one thing. But then, on the secondary part of it, you have um, the idea that they were trying to get rid of um, scripted programming in the 10 o'clock hour. Basically their whole thing was, man, it costs us a lot of money and we got to deal with all, you know, we got to deal with all this stuff and, uh, and, and, you know, deal with the money that, that comes out from it, deal with the headaches of, of development, deal with the, uh, the, you know, the back and forth with the, uh, with the producers of, of each show. And, and, you know, if we don't do that and we just sort of bring this in house and we, and we, uh, we, we pay Leno, it's a hell of a lot cheaper. So, what they did is they they thought, well, that's great. you know, and 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 people will watch it. and even if even if there is some attrition in in viewers, that's ok because we're covered because it costs us so much less to just to just have Jay do this show five days a week. right? so so, but then it backfired on them because basically, people don't want it, you know, and uh, and people don't want that at at the ten o'clock hour. and And they've made it pretty clear and uh, you know what hey jay was a ratings juggernaut when he was on the uh, on the tonight show although that kind of pulled back a little bit and um, as much as i hate to to see conan's ratings suffer cuz i love conan but uh, it's nice to see letterman back on top there i, I just got to say so um at any rate, uh, you know the a lot of the blame has been uh, unfairly, I think, foisted on onto uh, onto Leno, and uh, and that's not really the case. And so now it's looking like uh, Conan's been uh, been offered a uh, a severance, but it's still, you know, I mean, it's, it's a career ender for Conan because the the fact is, you know, he can go somewhere else, but then it, the, the, this is like a stigma that follows him around. And the thing is, he did nothing wrong. The network made some really bad decisions, and he ends up being the victim here. And uh, because of, of anyone, you know, he's the one who's going to be the victim. But I got to say, Conan's the one who responded with class with his open letter to uh, people of Earth, and I love that. Uh, but just the the idea that he said, I will not participate in the destruction of the Tonight Show franchise, you know. And, and, and although, you know, within the age of PVRs, time slot doesn't mean something— Still means something with the tonight show, and that's just the, the timing of it, you know, after the news, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, that's where it's been for ages. And um, and, and I got to admit, he's got some class in uh, saying that uh, I'd rather give it up than to destroy it. Anyway, that's all the time we got for today. Comments, as always, are welcome at PoptopiaPodcast at gmail.com and uh, head on over to the forum at forum.poptopiapodcast.com and join the conversation there. Have a great week.